sure. There we go. <laughs> Good evening, Family Church. Welcome to Sunday Night Local. On this, our last Sunday in April. Next week, we're in May. Can you believe it? My word, we've been through quite a season, haven't we? But God is good. He always is. And his mercies are new every morning. I trust you've had a blessed Sunday today, that you've had a great day, that you've managed to get out and enjoy a little bit of sunshine. Um, we went for a little walk this afternoon and it was beautiful. It was really lovely. So I don't want to delay any longer. We're just going to jump straight in and um, share on the word that God has laid on my heart for us as a church, as a body, for tonight. And um, I just want to uh, sort of go over slightly what Chris shared on last week. It was such a fantastic word. And he spoke last week from Hebrews chapter 12, speaking about how there is a race that is set before us, for each one of us. And we were looking at um, the fuels, um, the what fuels us and what we need to remain focused in order to finish strong. Remember, this isn't a hundred yard dash, but it's a marathon. And um, and I just want to pick up on one of the points that he made last week, one of the key points from last Sunday's message. And that was from John 14, 18, where Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. So if you've got your Bible with you, I'd encourage you or else write this down. Romans chapter 8 verses 15 to 17 is going to be our foundation scripture for tonight's message. So Romans 8 verses 15 to 17. I hope you're there. Turn those pages. I want to hear those pages turning. There they go. So you're there. Give me a thumbs up if you're there. <laughs> Chris has given me a thumbs up in the background here. But Romans 8, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What a fantastic scripture. I just want to unpack it a little bit, okay? So bear with me. So we did not receive the spirit of bondage. That word, the spirit of bondage, means we did not receive the condition of a slave. We are no longer slaves. We're no longer orphans. But we, as born-again children of God, we are children of Father God. We are children of God. The day that we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives, we became children of God. Now, just to remember, we're not just called children of God because God felt sorry for us okay it's not as though we were rejected and unwanted and unloved and disregarded and God really felt sorry for us 
No, this was not a sentimental idea. There's nothing sentimental about the cross and about salvation. There's nothing sentimental about that. But God has adopted us because he loves us. Because he loved us. And last week, Chris spoke about the motivation, the importance of motivation. Motivation, not determination, that fuels us. And tonight, we are going to look at what motivates God. And I think it's pretty obvious from the outset. It's love. What motivates God is love. And so in the context of us running our race, we need this knowledge. We need the knowledge of God's love to empower us, to sustain us. It's like adding more additives to our fuel. Okay, so we're going to learn a lot tonight about God's love. We'll start with John 3.16, that world famous scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his son. The foundation for our salvation was God's love for us. He loves us so much. He created us for his family. He created us for fellowship, for intimacy, for communion, for relationship. Father God is our father. He's our father. 1 John 3 verse 1 in the NRV says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I looked up that word lavish. There's so many descriptions. It means sumptuously rich, exorbitant. God's love is rich. It's exorbitant and he lavishes it on us. It's generous. It's extravagant. It's not miserly with just a little sprinkling here and there for just enough for you to get by. No, it's lavish. God has bucket loads. I love that expression, bucket loads that he's poured out over us, that we should be called children of God. Just in recent years, we've been singing a song and the lyrics go along the line of, we sing about his overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. And I thought about that and I thought, why? What's, what's reckless about God's love? Why is his love called reckless? And I think it's because he takes a risk with us. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for everybody. And he loved everybody, knowing that he's going to be rejected by some People are going to slander him, use his name as a swear word. He's going to be rejected. He has been rejected. Yet he loves us so much. He even gives his love towards, he demonstrates his love towards those who will even reject him. 
he doesn't protect himself in the process that's being reckless it's not like he'll say well I'll show my love to this one and I'll show my love to that one because I know they're going to reciprocate no he doesn't he he's reckless with his love he's lavish he pours it out he's exorbitant he's extravagant with his love and us as children of God we've responded to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ and that has qualified us to be called children of God. God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. That means it has no strings attached. There are no hoops to jump through. And another thing, we don't have to clean up our act before coming to him. We come to him just as we are. Just as we are. He loves us just as we are. His love doesn't expect anything in return. It's unconditional. It's not like, well, I'll love you, but you must love me. No, he loves, he loves us all. But our response to him is just love back to him, isn't it? So, but I'm going ahead of myself. So there's no limitations. There's no boundaries to his love. God is love. It's who he is. It's his nature. Listen to a few of these scriptures talking about the love of God. Psalm 86, just write these down and go back during the week and go and read them for yourself and meditate on these scriptures during the week. It will transform your life. I'm telling you, I promise you. Um, but in Psalm 86, 15, it says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness abounding. There we go again. So much love. Jeremiah 31 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. His love is everlasting. It's everlasting. It's forever. It will never end. God's love for us will never end. Psalm 136 says, His love endures forever. We know from 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails. His love endures forever. And we love him because he first loved us. We can't force ourselves to love God first without receiving his love for ourselves. We love him because he first loved us. John 15, a beautiful, beautiful chapter from the Bible, talking about abiding in the vine. Throughout the whole chapter is about abiding in the vine. And in John 15 verse 9, Jesus says, Abide in my love. That word abide, it means remain. It means to continue to be present in, to dwell in. One commentator, he's Says, says this, that something has established itself permanently within my soul and always exerts its power in me. Isn't that incredible? That's God's love. That's abiding in God's love. Something has established itself permanently inside of me and always exerts its power in me. It has an impact 
God's love has an impact in my life. And he, Jesus says, abide in his love, remain in his love, be present in his love. The, the, the Passion Translation says, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. It's good for us. The love of God nourishes our hearts. The Message Translation says, make yourselves at home in my love. Be comfortable in God's love. Remain intimately at home in my love. So, we've looked at a lot about God's love for us. But what about our love for God? You know, three times in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark and Luke, Jesus is speaking to uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And in, on three occasions, in, on, on one occasion, each of those Gospels, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy verse, chapter 6, verse 5, well-known scripture. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And everybody said, hallelujah, amen, yes. But can I be really honest with you? <laughs> At times... I really struggle with this commandment to love God. The minute, to me, you give me a law, I freeze. I just freeze because it's a commandment. I'm being instructed, you must love God. But the minute I think it's a law, I have this fear, I'm going to fail. Not because I don't love Him, but because I know my limitations. I know I know where, I, where I, I have shortcomings. And so what do I mean by this? In John 15, 13, in that great abiding chapter, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus said that just before he went to the cross. Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends and just just reading that think whoa <laughs> that's a great example of love but I draw such consolation from Peter throughout the Bible you know in John 13 Peter says to Jesus I'll lay down my life for your sake and Jesus answered him and said will you lay down your life for my sake most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you've denied me three times. And we know the rest of the account. Peter did go on to deny Jesus three times. Why? I believe it's because Peter reached his limitations. He had reached his limitations. And we, we know the rest of the account. Peter goes on, denies Jesus. So because of his limitations. So can I say, I can say, that I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and, and strength, and I mean it, but lay down my life for him? Would I lay down my life for him? You know what, I know my personal limitations. I'm not pointing a finger at Peter. I know my personal limitations too. I know what flicks my switch. I know 
that sometimes there are hurts, there are pain, there's pains, there's disappointment, and even tiredness at times. And at times, my own self-preservation will kick in and I will feel the need to protect myself. And the first thing I do is withdraw. That's what I do. I withdraw. Not because I don't love God, but I just need to self-protect a little bit. I need to go into my little fort mentality that I go to every now and then when I'm hurting, when I'm wounded, when I'm disappointed, or when I'm tired. But that's when I need reminding myself of God's love for me. And look at what happened to Peter. We know that Jesus fully restored Peter. He was fully restored. And if we look at the account of Peter, we follow his journey from the book of Acts, chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. He was the man who stood up and preached this amazing message. And on that day, 3,000 were added to the church, the day the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost in that upper room. 3,000 souls added to the kingdom, just like that, through this man's preaching, the preaching of the word. Next chapter, Acts chapter 3, the guy lying at the gate, beautiful, who'd been born crippled. He'd been lying there for 40 years, begging alms. Peter and John go to him and say, look at me, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the guy received strength in his ankles and he he walked for the first time in 40 years, done through the hands of Peter. Chapter, he goes on, Peter goes on, does three or four missionary journeys while he's out and about and traveling. He lands up in a place called Joppa. You read about it in Acts chapter 9. Peter raises Dorcas from the dead, this woman who was known for her good deeds. He raises somebody from the dead. Acts chapter 10, Peter again. Remember the account of Cornelius? Jesus uses, God uses Peter to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, arranged through a guy called Cornelius. And Peter preaches to the Gentiles that they are all radically born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. The revival breaks out in Cornelius's house. This, this is Peter. He writes two books of the New Testament. But he said, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. And what did he do? He denied him. But Jesus restored him. Jesus restored him. So if you feel at times you want to pull back, just remember God's love. Just remember his love. I'm telling you, his love will change your life. It will change you. It will bring you through to a place of such victory, such breakthrough, when you know and you understand and you fall in love with the love of God that he has for you. Just fall in love with his love for you. Accept that love that he has for you. Another scripture in Isaiah 54. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. This is God speaking. Though the, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. Though the economy is messed up, though there's COVID all over the world, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but God's love will not be shaken. 
Our circumstances is no indication of God's love for us. Though the mountains be shaken, we're going to have trials, we're going to have difficulties, but God's love will never be shaken. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39, well-known scripture. I know you can all quote it. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor my limitations, nor my hurts, nor my disappointments, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is a commitment. He is fully, a hundred percent, fully committed to us. He's with us in everything. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is a hundred percent committed completely. You know what? He doesn't throw his toys out the cot when we don't do things his way. You know, sometimes God will encourage you, do this, Send someone a text and you think, no, nah, not going to do that. No, nope, no, nope, not going to do that. God doesn't say, okay, well then I'm going to withdraw my love from you. No, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He, he, he's always trying to encourage us. He's always trying to pour into us, but we just need to respond to him. We just need to respond to him. He doesn't just walk away from us when we don't do things his way. He doesn't walk away. But remember, as children of God, he's adopted us. He's placed us in his family, that is the church. He's placed us, he's adopted us, he's placed us in, our, in a church. Let me tell you something. I just want to show you something. I don't know if you can see this. This thing says, welcome to the family of God. I was handed this little card by a woman called Heidi Skippers <laughs> at Hatfield Christian Church. On the 15th of September 1991 the day I gave my life to the Lord and it says on here welcome into the family of God welcome to the family of God and that's what it is I was adopted I was adopted on the 15th of September 1991 whatever date you gave your heart to the Lord whatever day Jesus came and lived inside your heart that's where the day you were adopted into his household, into his family, into his church, the bride, the body of Christ. You, my brother, my sister, we are family. We are family. Listen to what 1 John 3 says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, eh? That we should be called children of God. He's adopted us into his family. We were once strangers and aliens, but now we belong. We belong to God. Mm -hmm. He is our father and we are his children. Listen to what John 1, read John chapter 1. It's beautiful. But listen to what verse 12 says in the NRV. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the title of my message, actually, by, by the way. It's we have rights and we have responsibilities. Tonight we're talking about our rights 
as a child of God, we have rights, we have benefits. It's a benefit, it's a blessing, it's a right that we are to be called his children. His love is what has qualified us. We're not qualified because we're good people, okay? We're not. He's qualified. His love has qualified us. So we can just think of all the benefits, all the privileges that we enjoy by being children of God. Turn to Psalm 103 in your Bibles, verses 2 to 5, while I blow my nose. Are you there yet? Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5. Fantastic scripture. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. In other words, remember his benefits. Remind yourself of all the benefits, of all the rights, of all the privileges that we can enjoy as children of God. Bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits. And then he starts listing them. Who forgives all your iniquities. In other words, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed your sin from you. He's removed it. He forgives all your iniquities. He goes on, he heals all, all your diseases who redeems your life from destruction. Man, what powerful words. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Fantastic scripture. We're just going to go through a few things. Benefits. Remember the benefits. Remember these are rights that we have as children of God. These are the benefits that we enjoy. First of all, he forgives all our iniquities. No more judgment. No more condemnation. No guilt. No shame. He's removed our sin. He's removed our guilt. He's removed our shame from us. We have eternity. We have salvation. Remind yourself, child of God, you have eternity written in your heart. You're going to spend eternity with the Father. Total love, like we've been talking about. Total love. Total acceptance. Ephesians 1 talks about how he, we are accepted in the Beloved. Sometimes we just sort of, that becomes blasé. We're accepted in the Beloved. But you know what? Every single person on this planet is looking for love and acceptance. The, the, the guys that are down and out, the guys that are up and out, everybody is looking for love and acceptance. We aren't always acceptable, but God, Jesus, makes us accepted. We have peace. We have the peace of God and we have peace with God. All the big questions in life are dealt with. No more striving to get into God's good books. Get him on a good day and hopefully you'll make it in. That's not it, isn't it? We know as children of God, we have peace of God. We have the peace with God. We have joy. Joy. Listen to this in 1 Peter 1. Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. 
You love Jesus Christ. You've never seen him, but you love him. And listen to it goes, it gets better. It says, and believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Come on, come on, saints. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. And he goes on and he says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, Chris spoke last week about that race that we're running, this journey through life. But we need to finish strong. It's not how we start, it's how we finish. And we have need of great faith. What is great faith? Great faith is faith that endures to the end. And the end is the salvation of our souls. If you're not sure about any of this, go back onto Sunday Night Local, go to family.church and look for the series on faith where we've spoken on great faith. These are the benefits of God in our lives, the love of God, the benefits, the rights that we can enjoy. He's given us his spirit. We're sealed with his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We are filled with his Holy Spirit. We have the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, we did another series on the fruit of the Spirit. We are filled with the fruit of the Spirit as we yield and surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then the, the character of God is manifested in our lives as we yield and surrender to Him. He's given us His Word. God's given us His promises. He's given us his gifts. Remember, we've covered the nine spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you've not listened to them, there's another series on family.church. Listen to the nine spiritual gifts. He's given us the gifts. He's revealed his thoughts towards us. Psalm 139, how numerous are his thoughts towards us. If I could number them, they would be far more in number. In, in, great as the sum of them, they'd be more in number than the sand on the shore. He's given us a future. He's given us a hope. These are our rights. These are our privileges as being children of God. He's promised us divine health. He heals all our diseases. It's God's will that we be in good health. God is not glorified in sickness. That's why he says he heals all our diseases. Why? Why has he done all these things for us? He's lavished such just such love upon us is because of his great love so we're going to just go back to that our, our starting scripture speaks in Romans chapter 8 it says that we are children of God and it goes on and it says and if children then heirs heirs of God I mean come on this just gets better and better and better we have an inheritance there's stuff to be enjoyed. We've been written into somebody's will. This is his last will and testament. This is, the, this is God's will. His word is his will. We are in it. There's stuff to be enjoyed. We didn't do the hard work, but we benefit. We just receive it by faith. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1, 4. It says, as his children, we have a priceless inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, which is kept in heaven beyond the reach of change and decay. Christians' retirement benefits are out of this world. Let me tell you something, okay? 
Nothing can touch our inheritance. It's beyond change or decay. It's settled forever in, in, in heaven for us. That scripture in Romans 8 says that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. And here comes the next bit. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, come on. It just gets better and better. Jesus was the only begotten son of the Father. So by rights, he's the natural heir of the Father. And in Hebrews 1, 2, it says that God has appointed Jesus heir of all things. So being a co-heir with Christ means that we, as God's adopted children, will share in the inheritance of Jesus. What belongs to him belongs to us. God has appointed Jesus heir over all things. His inheritance is ours. So we are no longer orphans. We're no longer slaves. We're children of God, adopted into God's family. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Great benefits, great rights. But it doesn't end there. You think, no, Sandy, don't start another thought. <laughs> no, I'm not going to start another thought. I'm going to leave you hanging for till next week. We're going to continue with this. It doesn't just end there. Yes, we have rights. That's just the beginning. But with rights come responsibilities. With rights come responsibilities. You know, in raising children, I think most of us have raised children at some time in our lives. And, um, and I think we've all learned that the way we speak to a two-year-old differs to the way we speak to them when they're 20. You know, when your children are growing up, they enjoy the benefits of your labor. They enjoy rights and privileges. They don't sort of sit at home worrying has the mortgage been paid? Do we have enough money for groceries this month? Has the car been MOT'd in service? No little two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, ten-year-old has to even think of those things. They just sit back and enjoy all the rights and privileges like we do uh, as, as children of God. But with the children, but as they grow up, they have to, we have to teach our children responsibilities. So when our children are 20 years old, we don't put them on a little mat in front of and, and have a box in front of them and say, this is the way we pack away, pack away, pack away. We don't do that with a 20 year old. If you do, then I suggest you contact Pastor Jeff from our Gosport Church and he will help you um, learn a little bit about raising children and parenting skills okay just send your emails to pastor jeff at family.church but we're not going to be teaching a 20 year old this is the way we pack away pack away no when they're 20 they need to know this is where i pack i, I need to take responsibility i need to pack away my own laundry i need to tidy my room I need to start taking responsibility for some of the chores in the house. I'm not just here as a, 
as you know on a freebie for life um, so slowly but surely our children learn to take responsibility they take ownership and in the same way God does not expect us to remain as children as just children of God but there's an expectation from God that we should become mature sons and daughters in 1 Corinthians 13, the fantastic love scripture written by the Apostle Paul, um, he writes these verses in verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, Greek lesson number one, that word for child where he speaks about when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. The Greek word for child is napios. And the Sandy Hoskins interpretation of that Greek word means wearing nappies. Okay, I know I've mispronounced it. It's probably napios, napios, or something like that. But it actually, the actual Greek word means an infant. So to me, it describes it perfectly. You don't put your 20-year-old in a nappy, okay? You shouldn't. If you are, you've got a problem, write to Pastor Jeff. But we are not called to remain as nepios. Instead, the Apostle Paul says, but what does he say? I became a man. I put away the childish things. He started taking things more seriously. He started taking ownership. So, for now, for this week, let us go away. Let us meditate on the love of God, on His goodness, on His lavish love, outpouring love that He has for us as His children. But next week, we will be back. <laughs> I sound like Arnie, or we'll be back. But we will be back. But we're going to go up a level. We're not going to stay as, as that child in that nappy, the nappios. We're going to go on to responsibility. We're going to become those mature sons and daughters. We're going to see how this love that we've received outworks in our daily lives. We're going to see how this love that we've received outworks in our family and very importantly we're going to see how this love which we've received outworks in our church and I'm going to close with that same scripture from Romans chapter 8 verses 15 to 17 but I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because I think sometimes we've become familiar with the scriptures and we don't actually take it in but listen just sit and listen to what this says from Romans 8 in the Passion Translation, it says, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. That is so powerful. We are not going to serve God out of a, a spirit of religious duty, like Chris shared last week, that I must do this, I must do that. No, we did not receive the spirit of religious duty, which leads us back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. You have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family 
of God, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. Allow the Holy Spirit to whisper that into your heart this week. He goes on and since we are his true children, we qualify, we qualify, you are qualified, child of God, to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. I can't wait for next week to carry on with this message. I just feel that it's something that God has placed so strongly in our hearts. And I really do pray that this week you will hear that whisper of the Holy Spirit saying to you, you are God's beloved child. I'll see you next week.